Welcome to the Vineyard Cincinnati podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast. Hey, Vineyard family. This is the last week I'll be shooting right here in the Student Union. Starting next week, some of you will be with me live in the auditorium. Well, likely more than half of you will continue to join us online. I wanted to address this week head on the tension, maybe even the fear or anger that surrounds what our choices are. I think the first time I really put together the relationship between fear and anger, I was sitting in a training over the issue of trauma in my role at Back to Back. And the instructor was telling us that anger is a secondary emotion, always sitting on top of fear. And he he just asked casually, have any of you ever lost a child at a grocery store? And I raised my hand and I said, yeah, I lost my son Josh one time at a grocery store. And I was remembering out loud with the people I was gathered with that when I finally found him over in the banana section, I didn't say to him in my like kindest mom voice, hey, pick out a few to take home. When I finally got my hands on him, when I finally got my eyes on him, I went crazy. I was, I was so terrified that something was going to happen to him in the few minutes that I lost track of him that when I got a hold of him, I was just like, what are you doing? I told you to stay right here. Like I was, was crazy. And it, it clicked in my brain that anger and fear have a relationship with each other. Later that same day, Todd and I were having a pretty casual conversation at first. We were building a house and he asked me what, he, what I thought about putting a bathroom in our guest bedroom. We have a lot of long-term missionary guests and he thought it might be nice for them to have a private bath since they will be around for a while. And I was saying to him, no, I don't think they need a bathroom in there. I think they can just go out in the hall and go to the bathroom out there and I don't know if this happens to you in your interpersonal relationships or in your marriages, but we started talking about a bathroom, but like a hot second later, I was talking about his mother, right? And we, we began to, to fight about whether this bathroom was going to go into this guest bedroom or not. And he had the wherewithal to remember our training earlier that day. And he said to me, hey, Beth, you sound kind of angry. I'm just wondering, what, what are you afraid of? And I stopped and had to take a deep breath. I'm going to be honest with you. And then I said, you know what, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid we can't afford it. And he got out his spreadsheets and showed me all his numbers. And once I understood that that wasn't the issue, then I was like, okay, well, great. Thanks for letting me know. I think I'd like some brushed nickel in that bathroom, right? It got resolved right away because my, the thing I was afraid of got resolved. So the anger had no place to go. It could dissipate. Now, ever since then, we, that's the language we use in our household. When I see a child upset or when one of us get upset, we make sure we don't start fighting about how we're fighting. Or, or make sure our anger matches the anger of the other person in the room. Instead, we try to get to the heart of the issue and ask each other, what, what is it that you're afraid of and how might we resolve that? And I really want to do that because I think we have some big feelings about next week. I think we have big feelings about what's happening in our culture. Are we, are we going back into the world that we once knew or are we going to stay in an isolated or socially distant setting? Like we have big feelings. And when you have those big feelings, we've got to go to our Bibles and ask what we do with that and what it, how it's going to impact the way that we feel about each other. As a church, we have already enough reasons to divide us. Like we have questions like, you know, do we, do we raise our hands or not? Like, how, how do we feel about that? Do we drink alcohol or not? How do we feel about the Holy Spirit and his gifts? Who are we gonna vote for? Are we okay with the changes that have been made in the leadership here or not at Vineyard? And now you wanna add to it in 2020, are, are we comfortable with how the church is or isn't addressing injustice? Are, are we comfortable with how we are coming back to the building? Should we even do that? Do, are you someone that wants to mask all the time? Or are you someone that thinks that masks are ridiculous? Dividing issues are not new to 2020, but we sure seem to have a lot of them right now.
It, and the combination of our sin nature and the enemy attack on the bride, it's caused pain in the church ever since the church was first born. But this is what we can be absolutely sure of. In this world, we have an enemy and he wants us focused on our fears. He wants us divided against ourselves. He wants us to be angry with each other and judgmental of one another. About a month ago, I went to bed and I was asking the Lord for wisdom regarding the church. I need wisdom in this role and I've, I've been asking him for it. It's a good place actually to be so dependent on him for his leading. As most of you know, I'm only here for a season. The search committee is doing an amazing job looking for your new senior pastor. And I, I just wanna take this like moment, this rabbit trail to really affirm to you how strong and spirit filled I have found your trustee board to be. I only knew one of them before I came here to serve, but wow, they are encouraging and they are impressive. But anyway, I was, I was going to bed and I was just asking Jesus as I was falling asleep, like, speak to me. And I had this prophetic dream that night. In the dream, there was a boat that was passing through a lock from one body of water to another. Once, one time I was in Panama and I watched a boat go through the Panama Canal and that lock master, that lock tender, that lock keeper has a pretty exacting job. They have to make sure the water levels are at a certain level and, and there's all kinds of gates and things they open. And that, and in the dream, I felt like the Lord said to me, you are the lock tender, you are the lock keeper. You were not in the waters where this body has been and you are not going into the waters where the body is headed. It's your job to just get them from one direction, from one place into another. And that word, that work is exacting. And when I woke up, I, I, was, I just got my pen and paper out. And I started to reflect on the truths that he shared with me in that dream. The first one is that God speaks to us when we ask him to. So we need to be asking him as a church to speak to us. The second thing I thought of is he calls us sometimes to special assignments. For me, this is one of my special assignments, but I'm wondering for you during COVID-19, what's been your special assignment? And, and this work is exacting. The stakes today, 2020, they're really high. We can't like willy nilly our way through gospel work and kingdom advancement. It requires listening and obeying and perseverance and attention. And that's what I want us to sit in this weekend. I believe he will speak to you and to us as a church if we ask him to, and I'm asking you to. I believe he has a special assignment for you and for all of us in 2020 here. You can come to the table and engage, or you can decide you're not up for it. But God isn't surprised by what 2020 has brought to the vineyard. He's been preparing us and he wants to now release us. I believe if we don't do what God asks, the consequences are devastating. Some of that release you're gonna have to tell us about because we aren't there at your house where God is asking you to step up and step in. We're not there at your job or in your neighborhood. You're gonna to have to testify to us, encourage us with the stories of what God's asking you to. Some of that release, you're gonna get a we're gonna get a chance to witness because you'll be serving and praying and giving and sharing. And we're on the front row of that and we're so excited. But we, we need you. We need you to serve. We need you to engage. This week we are between the series, the questions Jesus asked, and the series will start next week I'm really excited about called Reckless Faith. And I want to bring to you a special message for the time that we're in. Paul writes to the church in Rome about issues that were dividing them. For them, it wasn't about masks. For them, it was about food choices and Sabbath and circumcision, really issues of the law. 
you had Jews who had been following the law for a long time and Gentiles who didn't even know what the law was, and they were commingling and fellowshipping and feeling judgmental of the other. And we're gonna read the whole chapter of Romans 14. And listen to me, one reading will not be enough. I absolutely expect you'll have to reread it many times after church to fully understand what it was that Paul was saying. It was read like a letter, like I'm gonna read it to you, but it's dense. Anyone who tells you that Romans is easy to understand and breezes right through it, they aren't taking advantage of it in its entirety. So, so get your Bibles out, open up your Bible apps and follow along as we read Romans 14 together. Verse one, accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else, someone else's servant? To their own master, the servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another, another considers every day alike. Each of them should fully be convinced in their own minds. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. Whoever abstain does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead. And you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us, will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person, it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you're no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification do not destroy the work of God for the sake of, in this case, he says, food. You can fill in the blank with whatever it is that's the story of our day. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith and everything that does not come from faith is sin. <laughs> I know there's a lot in that chapter. Like I said, it's gonna be something you'll probably have to reread a few times. Paul was writing to a church with 
sincerely held differences, which is absolutely okay. We don't have to agree on everything. With varying levels of knowledge, which is to be absolutely expected in a church. And with different degrees of conscious sensitivity. And he was encouraging them to strive more than anything else for oneness in Christ over insisting on being right or heard. The cause of Jesus and the worth of a soul, it must be our most important thing. For the Romans as well as Paul, the point is the same. In matters of conscious, personal convictions regarding practices that are neither commanded nor prohibited in the Bible, Christians are to follow these standards. One, refrain from judging or condemning believers whose opinions are different from your own. That's the whole first part of that chapter. And refrain from exercising your freedom in ways that would pressure or encourage another believer to sin by going against their own conscience. That's the second half of that chapter. The bottom line for Paul always has been love. As he said in the chapter before, that would be Romans 13, verse eight, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Romans 14 explains how Christians can fulfill the law of love even when they disagree, which inevitably we are going to on a whole bunch of things. So here have been, these are my personal guidelines for leading you in this tricky season of co-fellowshipping, co-mingling, co-serving, co-advancing of the gospel in the midst of so many different opinions and varying degrees of conscience. First is there are some gray matters in life whether we mask, how we use our social media, if we gather, these frankly are planes that are getting built in the air. If it's biblically obvious, we will cling to it and shout it from the rooftops. We will not waver, we will not compromise. I was driving the other day in Westchester and I was coming back from a doctor's appointment and I drive a convertible and I was listening to some music at a stop sign and there was a, a guy at the corner who had a bullhorn and he was preaching through that bullhorn to anyone who was stopping at the stoplight. And I was listening to him at the same time I was listening to my music and all of a sudden something he said caught my ear because he said, if any of you listening to me, go to one of those mega churches. And he names several large churches in our city, including Vineyard Cincinnati. So now he had my whole attention. He had no idea whose attention he had, but he had it. He said, if you go to one of those churches and they don't tell you the truth about heaven, they don't tell you the truth about hell, they don't tell you the truth about salvation, walk away. And I thought to myself, hmm, don't totally understand his tactics, but I do agree with his message. Listen to me, that is not a gray matter. If you know Jesus on earth, you're gonna know him in heaven. You don't know Jesus on earth, you're not gonna know him after you have gone. It's, it, that is, those, those, those kinds of issues, those biblically undisputable issues, we will, we will not compromise. I, I want you to hear that loud and clear. This is not a message about compromise. This is a message about things that are gray that are outlined in our Bible, that we have certain varying convictions on because of our conscience or our history or a tradition that we were taught or our background or our own sin natures. And we, we've collected these ideas of things that we think are right or wrong. And I, I, I just won't let it divide us. I won't let mask wearing or people gathering, I won't let it divide us. That's not how the bride of Christ acts. The second like principle I've been just using in this season is that not everything is a 10. In my family, we use that language that, especially when in marital conflict, like it started out like 
if something on a scale of one to 10, if it's a 10 to Todd, something's really important to Todd, and for me it's like a five, like you can win. I don't wanna fight with you about it, it's a 10 to you. Or if something is like a 10 to me in importance and it's just like an eight to him, I understand it's really important, but he'll acquiesce. If there's something that's gonna elicit like a big reaction in either of us as parents, we tell each other and ourselves, hey, this is not a 10. Like how much data those kids use this month, not a 10, doesn't reserve it a 10 reaction. If, if there were dishes left in the sink overnight, it's not a 10, I don't need to give it a 10 reaction. It feels like in this heightened climate right now, everything is a 10. People are writing their social media posts in all caps with lots of emojis. Not everything is a 10. Can we live peaceably with one another, not violating our own conscience, but making it a matter between us and the Lord and not between us and each other? However, hear me loud and clear, that cross, it's a 10. Love is a 10. If somebody returned your email with a nuanced language that you don't really appreciate, not a 10. If someone let their kids play in the neighborhood without a mask, not a 10. Paul uses this letter to say to us as practically as he can, whether you're feeling passionate about, make sure whatever it is that Jesus said it was important. If it's just tradition or opinion, don't let it divide you. Because I know churches aren't perfect places, but it's our privilege to share, to serve, to protect the church. Listen, I like hearing from you, especially in the season when I haven't been able to see you. I've enjoyed every interaction I've had on email or on phone. Thank you for all the ones of you who have reached out, but I wanna be honest with you. For, this is just honest. For every time I've, I've heard a thank you for the way the church has continued services at the Healing Center, or thank you for the online devotionals the staff have been providing in this time. I've probably gotten 10. I can't believe the trustees that, or I don't like how you said this. I am not afraid of challenge. The trustees and staff, they want your feedback and they want to answer your questions, but let's start from a place of loving and protecting the bride of Christ and not approaching it like a Yelp review. I can tell you this with full assurance, everyone here is working hard to honor the Lord with all of their gifts, so join us. That judging, rating, reviewing, like liking culture, it can't permeate the church. God says we are to love one another. Loving others and honoring God, it's to take precedence over absolutely everything. If you learn nothing else from the church, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment will carry you for a long time. The Great Commission says, go out into the world, not to judge it, not to join it, to share with it the good news of Jesus Christ. And the Great Commandment says, to love them at great expense to yourself all the time and unconditionally. That's the way that he loves us. So back to the issues of the day and returning next week to the building. The church has an opportunity. We have an opportunity to model love that places the interests of others above ourselves. Whether you come in and join us in person or you join us digitally, be the church wherever it is that you are love one another. If you find it personally difficult to wear a mask during church, thinking the precautions are a needless overreaction, and here's the thing, it might turn out that you're right. Would you be willing to just sacrifice for a season out of love for others who believe that these precautions are necessary? Could we just do that for one another? And if you personally think it's silly, or even some of you might think it's cowardly, for someone to stay home after the church opens up again next week. Can you remember what we just read in Romans 14? Let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather let's decide never to put a stumbling block 
or a hindrance in the way of a brother. None of us should assume we've arrived at how to do this well. Let's just model humility to one another and to the world by acknowledging that everything's not obvious and that it's our responsibility, our privilege to listen, to pray, to ask the Lord, what's my assignment? To expect to hear his voice, to obey, and to manage the lock between the waters of where it is that we've come from and where it is that he's leading us. To tender that lock with, with caution and carefulness. To, to understand the privilege of what it is in this season where he's remolding us, remaking us, restoring us, redesigning, redeeming. That's, that's the work he's in the middle of. If we just spend all of our energy convinced that we're right and everyone else is crazy, we miss the opportunity. We miss the chance to fellowship. We, we, we miss out on so much. And you know I, wouldn't, I can't let you go without teaching you a Hebrew word. There's this Hebrew phrase that has captured my heart for many years now. Dekin alam means to repair the world, to make straight, to establish a repair. God's design is to use us, created in his image, to act as his ambassadors and priests in this world, to literally make straight that which was once crooked. There are some famous examples of people who've embraced this idea to, to see something that's broken and crooked and to work towards straightening out. Think like Mother Teresa. But lately there's been a hero of the faith that I've been thinking about his choices and what it cost him and how, how his example is inspiring to me of what it, what it looked like to see something that was broken and to do everything he could to repair it. Because we, are, we have a broken world right now we have a world hurting and crying out, and it's, we have the opportunity to, to put our hands to the repair of it in Jesus' name. There's a man um, named Dr. Janusz Korsak. He was a pediatrician from Poland. He was practicing medicine and he was a children's author and he was very well known. And in addition to all those things that he was up to in Poland, he also in 1912 started something called the Orphan Society. It was really ahead of its time. Um, he had about 200 children, and in those days, they would have more like warehoused them, just bed after bed after bed. But he knew, as a pediatrician, that children do much better when they have the opportunity to live in family units and create healthy attachment with each other. So that's what he did in his orphan society. And they lived and served that way for many, many years. And then in 1939, Poland was occupied, and they eventually moved all these Jewish children into a ghetto. And he decided if those children had to live in the ghetto, even though he didn't have to, he would join them there. And on August 5th, 1942, there was a knock at the door. There was a, um, a Nazi officer who came and took the 12 staff, the 200 children and Dr. Korsetsch to a concentration camp. He told them um, as, they, as he announced to the children they were gonna go on a trip, he said, put your best clothes on. I want you to bring your favorite toy or your favorite book on this journey. They got to the edge of the concentration camp. <clears throat> One of the officers there at the gate recognized Dr. Korsetsch as the author of his child's favorite children's book. And he said to him, hey, you don't have to go in. If you just help us get the children in, I'll make sure that you and your life get spared. And the last thing that we know that Dr. Korsetsch said, he said to that officer at the gate, he said, you don't leave a child in distress. And then he went on. He was modeling he was modeling God's heart. He, God's asking us to do the same thing. He's, he's saying to us, 
Don't leave the lost. Don't leave the least of these in distress. Don't walk away from this world judging it for its crooked roads. Instead, put your hand to the repair. Reach out, spend yourself on others. Ask him to speak to you. Ask him to lead you. Say yes to special assignments. Die to yourself, no matter what the cost is. Be humble, serve. That, that, that's our assignment in this time. That's what God's asking of us, and it is going to cost us. It's gonna cost us for whatever we have to do inside our spirit to be comfortable with people in fellowship that don't agree with us and that we don't agree with. It's gonna cost us on the outside as we put our hands to the work that God has already prepared in advance for us to do. But I believe church with all my heart, the very best days are ahead for us. I believe that as we walk through this season, God will strengthen us. He will fill us. He will re renew and revive us. I, I think that there are good things coming and I'm grateful to be with you in this journey. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you, this has always been your story that you look at crooked roads and you call your church to put their hand to it to repair or straighten the things that are crooked. Wherever it is that you're asking the vineyard to engage, Lord, individually in our houses, in our neighborhoods, in our jobs, or together collectively as a body in the city, may we put our hand to it and may we trust you for it next week as we come together in, in multiple locations, digitally around the city, as well as physically here on campus. Lord, would you teach us what it looks like to fellowship with one another, to open the word together with one another, to worship with one another, to challenge one another, to serve alongside of each other. Teach us what it looks like to look like your body. The world is, is looking at us, wondering if we're any different. May they know who we are by the way that we love one another and love them. Lord Jesus, we trust you for the energy, wisdom, and the power to do that. And I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast.